Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Um, this is actually take two of this podcast because when I press record on the previous one, someone rang the doorbell um, to drop off a parcel, so I had to start all over again. Um, but nonetheless, we'll get stuck into it. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the subject of sleep. Now, I appreciate not everyone is as much of a nerd as I am when it comes to stuff like this. So what I've done with this podcast is I've broken it down into a few factors that affect sleep quality. And I'm just going to take you through um, how you can manipulate them in a way that benefits you guys the most. Before we get on to those factors, um, we have to quickly look at two different things. And they are circadian rhythms and your chronotype. Now, circadian rhythms, simply put, is your is your internal body clock. And within that internal body clock, there are certain biochemical hormone reactions and releases that occur at different times that stimulate your body in certain ways. Two biochemicals that we need to be aware of are serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter which stimulates the body to wake up, and melatonin, which is a hormone that brings on sleep anticipation um, as you wind down and drift off to sleep. There are, there are three different types of chronotype. There's an AM chronotype, which in old money would have been known as a lark or a morning person. And that morning person will experience an earlier release of serotonin, so they wake up earlier, but then also an earlier release of melatonin, so they start to fall asleep a bit earlier. PM chronotypes are the sort of reverse. So they are um, individuals that experience a delayed release of serotonin and a delayed release of melatonin. So they're going to wake up slightly later and they're going to need sleep slightly later. Um, and the third group is known as the sort of in-betweeners and they're just what the majority of the population are and they kind of fit somewhere in the middle of that. Um on a side note, it's quite interesting that, that to think about why there are all these different chronotypes, and it's, it basically comes down to evolution. Um, and when you consider that human beings are pack animals, we live in a group, and if everyone everyone was asleep at the same time and awake at the same time, then it's not going to serve the pack the best. You know, we need people that are going to be um, awake to protect, to cook, etc., etc. So this is how these different body clocks, the different circadian rhythms and chronotypes have come about. Um, obviously, today's world a lot different. There's no longer saber-toothed tigers roaming around. But depending on your chronotype and when you get those releases of serotonin and melatonin can affect your performance. So it's worth being aware of that and trying, um, if you're interested, to try and figure out what chronotype you are. Now, it's not always as simple as saying... I always wake up early. I always want to go to bed early. Um, so there is something called the Munich Sleep Questionnaire, which is a very simple questionnaire. If you Google it, you'll be able to find it. And you basically fill out said questionnaire and it will pretty much tell you whether you're an AM chronotype, PM chronotype, or, or which way you lean. And just being aware of that is a good thing because it means you can tailor your sleep habits to work better with your body. You almost hack into your own body systems. So we've covered circadian rhythms and chronotypes. Uh, we're now going to move on to these different factors that affect sleep quality. 
The very first one then is light. Now we know from previously uh, just talking about serotonin that that is what wakes us up. And the release of serotonin is actually stimulated when certain parts of the brain register light in our environment. So you're waking up in the morning, or sorry, you're asleep, the sun rises, that's going to trigger that release for you to wake up and you go about your day. All living things will experience that. But when we're thinking about us trying to sleep, if it's really bright and there's light in the room, that's going to trigger that serotonin release again and we're going we're gonna to experience that desire to wake up at a time where we don't want that. Now, a really good way to counteract this is blackout blinds or really thick curtains. We make the room as dark as possible. That way, our brain doesn't register any of that light, we don't get a serotonin release and we don't start to wake up. So the first point, and this is a really easy one, um, to action on is just to make the room as dark as possible. That's going to help you get off to sleep nice and quick. Temperature. Now we've got two components to this um, this point and that is room temperature and body temperature. Research states that the optimal environment for us to be in to sleep is a cool temperature. Now I'm not going to give a specific uh, a specific temperature because Nobody sleeps with a thermometer in the room and no one is that, you know, that way inclined to be that nitpicky about what they're doing. But a cool environment is optimal for sleep. Your body temperature, you want it to be warmer before bed as you enter that cool environment. And just to expand on this a little bit, your body's peak temperature is in the evening before you go off to sleep. And as you sleep, your body temperature slowly drops until it reaches its lowest point, And then it gradually rises again as we come out of that sleep and begin to wake up. So we want our body temperature to be, you know, nice and warm. The room temperature to be nice and cool. So that as we go into that cool environment, it facilitates the reduction of our body temperature. It comes down nice and easy. If your body temperature is, is warm and you go into a warm environment, your body is going to struggle to, to thermoregulate and bring its temperature down, which just results in restless and impaired sleep quality, which we don't want. So sticking with that theme of our environment, we've got a nice dark room. It's cool. The environment itself needs to be a pleasant place to be. Your bedroom and where you sleep specifically is your sanctuary. If it's messy and it's cluttered and there's not, it's not a nice place to be, that is going to have an effect on, on how you sleep. We all know that when we put fresh sheets on, usually you get a better night's sleep. It's just a much nicer place to be. So if you can make your environment as pleasant and as comfy as possible, again, it facilitates that sort of winding down of your body. Your stress levels come down you're more inclined to get off to a, a, to sleep quicker and it'd be better sleep. Next point is a big one in today's world and that is the use of personal devices, mobiles, iPads, Kindles, etc. before bed. Those screens emit blue light and blue light is what is what signals the release of serotonin. So imagine this, 
you've had a long day at school, you've sat a test, you've really wiped out, maybe you went to training in the evening, you've had your dinner, you've smashed out your homework, coursework, revision, whatever it is you're doing, you hop into bed, desperate for a good night's sleep because you're really fatigued, so you turn the lights off, and what do you do? You get out your phone, you bring it really close to your face, and you sit on it for half an hour scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is you might be on. All that's going to do is signal to your brain it's time to wake up, which is not what we want at all. Now, nobody's perfect. I hold my hands up to this. When I get into bed, I grab my phone, I have a quick look at social media. If we're aware of how this will affect us, then we can put into place a plan to mitigate those negative effects. That could be as simple as just restricting yourself to two minutes to have a quick look through the news or whatever it is you might might like to look at um, and then putting the phone down. In an ideal world, I'd tell you all just to leave your phone in another room, but I'm not an idiot. Most people don't do that. But we need to limit the amount of blue light we're exposed to so that our body can go about its natural course of action to get us into that sleep state. Along those lines, caffeine. Caffeine, it doesn't take a genius to, to figure out that this is not going to be good for you. It's a stimulant. It's going to wake you up. It's going to inhibit sleep. We just need to avoid it before bed. And the recommendation is that you don't intake any caffeine six hours before bed. So you just got to figure out roughly when your bedtime is, track back six hours. Within that window, no caffeine. Just cut it out. It's as simple as that. Something else that many of us intake in the evenings is alcohol and this I hope is geared towards uh, more towards the adults that may be listening to this podcast um, teachers coaches etc many of us enjoy a glass of wine in the evening um, but we don't think about how that's going to affect our sleep when we consume alcohol in the evenings it does two things to our sort of sleep physiology, if you will. One, it triggers contradicting brainwave activity, alpha waves and delta waves. Now, those two, uh, those two brainwaves, they, they sort of go against each other. And all that's going to do is cause you to get restless, impaired sleep, which we obviously don't want. The second thing is that it inhibits a stage of sleep known as REM sleep, which is our restorative phase. That's when muscle recovery occurs, uh, skill retention takes place, takes place in the brain, that sort of neuroplasticity um, is utilised. If we're inhibiting that, we're going to suffer down the road. And if this is a sustained habit, as I know for a lot of people it is, consuming alcohol in the evenings throughout the week, and even more at the weekend it's going to have a knock-on effect. So we need to really limit that consumption of alcohol pre-bed. Uh, pre Talking of pre-bed, pre-sleep, we should all be nailing a pre-sleep routine. This can be something really simple as five minutes of diaphragmatic breathing before bed. It could be an hour-long habit where we do some stretching, some foam rolling, you may read, but it's pretty much something that you can do to bring down your body stress levels, reduce your heart rate, 
and get yourself into the optimal state to drift off to sleep. Human beings or human bodies crave habit and routine. It's what we like. So why not allow your body that luxury? Now, I appreciate if you work in, you know, you may work in the city or you may be uh, a young individual who alongside school and training has a, has a part-time job and it's difficult to get that routine. If you can try, it will benefit you if you can establish it. It doesn't have to be really excessively long and, and sort of complex. It can It can simply be something as getting an app on your phone like Headspace, doing two minutes of yoga or meditation and just winding down. It will benefit you. Just give it a try. So those are some factors that can affect um, sleep quality. If you can hack into them uh, and manipulate them, it will benefit you, I promise, both cognitively and physically. If you get good sleep, you're going to see improved cognitive performance and decision making because your body has been allowed that time, your body and mind, I should say, has been allowed that time to recover restore, process in any information that it has taken in and cement it as memories and skills. But you're also going to see improved physical performance. They've got, I've got some stats here in front of me that are, that are quite shocking actually. And, and first one is that if you get consistently poor sleep, you're going to see a 50% reduction in your reaction time. So 50% slower reaction times if you get poor sleep. If you're a student athlete, that is a big problem. Same sort of thread. Six hours versus eight hours of sleep has been shown to give you a 30% increase in your chance of sustaining an injury. That is an alarming number for something that everyone has to do. Everyone has to eat. Everyone has to drink. Everyone has to sleep. You might as well do it well. It's an easy win. And I'm talking to any student listening to this and I'm talking to any adult listening to this. And finally, something that everyone is susceptible to is illness. Good sleep will give you a better and more efficient autoimmune response. So you're going to stand a better chance of fighting off things like the common cold, um, throat infections, etc., etc. You just put yourself in a position to work more efficiently and achieve the results you want. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, we'll rattle through a quick summary of those points. If you want to take note, um, now's the time to do it. It's They really are simple things you can do which will benefit you, I promise. So number one, light exposure. We want the room to be as dark as possible. Two, temperature. Cool temperature creates the ideal environment. Speaking of environment, tidy, clean room, fresh sheets, gadgets and personal devices. Put them down. We don't need to be on them before bed. Have a bit of self-discipline. Set your alarm, put it down, read a book, do some breathing, something like that. Basically anything that doesn't involve staring at a screen because that's going to trigger serotonin release and it will wake your body up. Caffeine, no, just stay away from it. Simple as that. Alcohol, again, stay away from it if possible. 
it can help you get to sleep. You know, if you've had a really stressful day, it can help you get to sleep, but that sleep is not going to be good. And in this game, we want quality. Quality, quality, quality. And finally, a pre-sleep routine. Find a habit, find a routine that you can maintain that helps you de-stress, come down and facilitate entering that sleep state as best as possible. So there you have it, guys. There's that summary. Um, if you want any more information on sleep, there is a wealth of research out there um, that is so easy to access. You just have to punch it into Google. Um, the Sleep Council is a great website and the National Sleep Foundation, really good places to start. They have some really good infographics. If you're working um, in a club or in a school and you found this podcast interesting and you think it could benefit your students or indeed if you are a student and you think it might help your uh, teammates, classmates, get on those websites, um, get on Instagram. You can type in some hashtags. I'm sure you could find some infographics on there just to share the knowledge. It will only benefit you. Until next time then, guys, take care.